Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. It can seem daunting to consider the idea of having another child after experiencing postpartum depression or another perinatal mental health disorder, including anxiety, OCD, or psychosis. What if it happens again? What if it's worse? Who would sign themselves up for this experience again? Yet, there are so many reasons families may want another child. How can you reconcile the fear with the longing for more babies? This is Newbies. He's gorgeous. Um, it's a girl. Surprise! The whole family's here! So when are you having the next one? It's just poop. Ready for another? Wow, you look really tired. Ready to go back to work? Yellow poop? Seriously? Did you sterilize this? Sex? Now? You've got to be joking. You should sleep when the baby sleeps. She doesn't look anything like you. I thought you already had your baby. I did. Babies don't come with instructions, so there's newbies, helping new moms and new babies through the first year. Welcome to Newbies. Newbies is your online on-the-go support group guiding new mothers through the baby's first year. I'm your host, Kristen Stratton, certified birth doula, postpartum doula, and owner of Indu Season Doula Services. If you haven't already, be sure to visit our website at newmommymedia.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also subscribe to our show through iTunes, so you'll automatically get new episodes when they're released. Here's Sunny with details on how you can get involved with Newbies. All right. Hi, everybody. So we're so thankful that you're joining us here on Newbies. We want you to be part of our show. That's what makes this so fun is we get to meet so many different moms and dads and they join us on the show. So if that interests you at all, head on over to our website at newmommymedia.com. You can click on a banner that says join us as a parent. And then from there, there's a quick online form you can fill out, which just gives us more information about you. So we can reach out to you if we're working on a topic we think you'd be a good fit for. The other thing is you can join our Facebook group where we post all of our topics and times. If you are on social media, we have started a hashtag that I think is really, really important. I'm on social media a lot, mainly for all the shows and posting different episodes and promoting things. And I've seen a lot of stuff online, like parents, mainly moms, kind of being down on other moms and stuff like that. So we've started the hashtag support all moms. And it's something that I'm really passionate about that I really feel like, listen, you know, if you've done your research, you know, and you, 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 we all make decisions for our families on a day-to-day basis, right? And we do it because we love our families and we're doing what we think is in the best interest of our families. And I think overall, as moms, we should be supporting each other in those decisions a little bit more. So if you're on social media and you want to help with this and encourage this, you know, positive movement to encourage other moms, please start using the hashtag support all moms. All right, let's meet the mama joining us today. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and your experience with today's topic. 
Hi, my name is Rachel Keller, and my husband's name is Trevor. We've been married for um, 10 years this August, and we have three children, Nathan, who's five, Sammy's three, and then Charlie is four months. After Nathan's birth, I suffered from postpartum depression and mild anxiety, and then after Sammy's birth, I had um, pretty severe postpartum anxiety and mild postpartum depression. Um, and Charlie's, I've actually been good. <laughs> I haven't, thankfully, had any um, problems so far. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So before we kick off our episode today, I want to talk about an app. It is called My Mood Tracker. And I should say, there are actually two different versions of this app. There's My Mood Tracker and My Mood Tracker Lite. So we're mainly going to focus on the Lite Tracker today because the full-blown app is like 10 bucks. So I figure, hey, start with the Lite. If you like the Lite, you know, and you want to do a little bit more with the app, you can upgrade and pay 10 bucks. So for the Lite version, it is absolutely free. And basically, it's a way to track your day-to-day mood, which may seem really simple. But what I really like about this app is that the user interface, I think, is fantastic. Like you open it up and it gives you today's date and the time. And it literally just says, I'm feeling, and then it has question mark. And then you tap this little button and a bunch of little emoticons. Is that what they're called? Those little smiley face things. Do you guys know what those are called? Yeah, they're emoticons. Emoticons. Okay. Yeah, there's like a (laughs) wide variety of these, you know, little faces, little smiley faces, sad faces, scared faces, crazy faces, mad faces, whatever, start popping up. And you select whichever one you want. And it kind of gives you a description of what that emoticon means. You hit done. And you can also rate your mood on a scale of one to 10. So in addition to the little smiley face, it's got this little thing you can just drag from one to 10. You can add notes to it. And that's the basic part of the app. It does keep a history of all of this. So if you really want to know on a day-to-day basis, and you might even be able to do this multiple times in a day. You know, just how you're feeling throughout the course of the day, the week, a month or whatever. It does keep a history for you. So you can kind of check that out. You do have the ability to export it, I believe. I believe the upgrade comes with like how far back in your history you want to go. I'm not sure exactly what's included in the free version, but if you want to go really far back in your history, I'm pretty sure you're going to have to upgrade. So that's where, you know, the $10 would come into play. But yeah, so wanted to get your feedback, everyone's feedback, since, you know, we've all kind of, even if you haven't experienced any kind of, you know, diagnosed as, you know, depression, I think we can all kind of go through, you know, just in our day-to-day lives as parents and think about the roller coaster ride we go on with our emotions. And, and handling our kids. So Kristen, what do you think of my mood tracker light? I've actually used it before. I don't remember how long it's been since I've used it. I want to say it's been like probably last year because I was noticing 
that at some point in my cycle, uh, (laughs) I was very impatient at home with the children. So I wanted to kind of know, okay, how many days before my cycle starts am I becoming this crazy person? And so usually for me, it's actually, it's interesting. I actually get a little crazy. You're getting to know me personally right now. Um, I get a little crazy, well, not crazy, but I get kind of short-tempered and impatient right before I ovulate. And then again, probably about four days before my cycle starts. So I thought that was interesting. I'm like, it's like my body's, you know, trying to fend off all the other competition, like my children are competition with this egg, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's very primal of you, the breakdown. Yeah, but you know what? I think it's good. I think it gives good self-awareness because even if maybe you're not struggling with a mood disorder or you're not trying to figure out something that's cyclical, it still gives you good feedback. And then you're like, well, why am I feeling this way? You know what? What's going on? What stressors am I experiencing that maybe is affecting my mood in this way? So I think it's good. I like it. One thing I wanted to add really quickly is that they do have a section for, it's just called logs, which is kind of a strange term, if you ask me, but you click on logs and there's other things you can track too, which will give you a better idea of what's kind of happening in your life. Just like Kristen was talking about, there's actually a section for menstrual cycles. So you can enter that kind of information. What else is here? Your sleep cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Sleep cycle. You can enter medication, what kind of exercise you had that day, your stress level energy level, pain level, if that's an issue for you, like after, you know, giving birth or something like that. So yeah, it it can track a bunch of different things. But again, the goal is to figure out what your overall mood is, and then hopefully be able to figure out from there, you know, what what's causing you to feel that way. So Andrea, I would love to know from an expert's point of view of someone, you know, that works with disorders, like, what do you think of something like this, an app like this? Oh, I think this is a good idea. I think that it can be kind of hard, especially when you're in the thick of it after the birth of a child and um, you may be experiencing a disorder to really sort of um, put everything together and, and see what's going on with yourself. So it's kind of an objective way to say, well, this is the information, this is the data, and this is actually how I've been feeling over the past few days and kind of what does that mean? is going on with me. And so it's, I I think it's a great idea. And uh, Rachel, is this something that you think that you could use or would have used in the past had you known about it? Yes, absolutely. I never used that before, but it sounds like it could be very beneficial. All right. So we're going to include a link to this on our website, along with a little description and download links if you want to check them out. I know it's available on iTunes. I'm not sure about other devices, but we'll let you know on the site. So check it out. Today, we're continuing our series on delayed postpartum depression by discussing having more babies. Our expert today is licensed marriage and family therapist, Andrea Knox. Thank you for joining us today, Andrea. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Andrea, can you please explain what impact postpartum depression and other disorders can have on us, which may physically impact our desire to have another child? Sure. I think having a disorder postpartum can be a very dark, scary, overwhelming experience. And at the time, it can affect our ability to function, make rational decisions, our sense of self as a parent, our relationship with our partners, and so many other parts of our lives. And in addition to that, often it's a surprise. Nobody puts postpartum mental health disorder on their baby registry, right? 
So no, uh, <laughs> I did not. It's, it's an uninvited guest to the to the party. So I think we can have because it's so it can be such an awful time and it's and it's often unexpected. We can have this response to it like it's a trauma, and our minds and bodies have this natural defense against a trauma. Hey, remember that was scary. Don't do that again. So it brings right. up a lot of questions. Yeah, it just brings up a lot of questions when we consider another pregnancy. So what emotional barriers must a mother overcome to even begin to consider another child? Well, because we were talking about this sort of reacting to it almost like a trauma, I think it's really easy to avoid thinking about your past experience of a disorder. This is very raw stuff. But your experience holds key information about your decision to have another child and what your needs would be if you do decide to have another baby. So just the ability to look at your previous or current experience of a disorder can be something to overcome. Also, it's normal for the process of considering pregnancy, trying to conceive, or having another baby after a postpartum disorder to involve some level of anxiety. It's not an easy choice. Having some anxiety doesn't mean you're making the wrong choice. So there may need to be some acceptance around the difficulty of the choice and that it might be difficult after birth. And how many women do you think are carrying postpartum mood disorder from one postpartum period into the next pregnancy and then into another postpartum time? Well, if the disorder was not treated the first time, it's highly likely that it would continue into the next pregnancy and then that puts you at risk for carrying it postpartum. So if, if it's untreated, it's, it's, it's highly likely. If it has been treated, the, the data that I found is at least 33% of women who previously had postpartum depression will have symptoms again in the subsequent pregnancy. And Rachel, I know you shared that you experienced this in your first two pregnancies. What was your experience after your first pregnancy and having postpartum depression and anxiety? And then how did that affect your decision to have another baby and then subsequently experience it again? Well, with my first postpartum, I had gone through a lot of complications during the delivery. So I was feeling, you know, depression and anxiety and so much fear, but I didn't recognize that that was postpartum depression. I had heard of postpartum depression before, but the classic signs you hear about are you want to hurt your baby. And for me, it was exactly the opposite. It was, you know, I... I couldn't leave him. I was really overprotective and just very fearful of everything. And I associated that with the trauma that I had gone through during his birth. So I didn't realize what was going on. We ended up getting pregnant pretty, pretty quick, not as quick as others, but within a year I was pregnant again. For us, We weren't weighing the emotional state that I was in because I just purely chalked that up to it was the trauma that's not going to happen the second time. It was just a fluke thing that happened. Second time, I'll be good. So I just kept telling myself, if I have another pregnancy and it's healthy and nothing bad happens, I'll be okay the next time. So then I did have a wonderful pregnancy the second time. No complications, beautiful birth, no trauma. And second, the second postpartum time, it was much worse, much more intense. I didn't understand what was going on. Uh, I didn't really reach out because I was embarrassed and I didn't know how to fix it. I did know that going on walks helped, keeping busy helped, playdates, you know, just kind of trying to distract myself. So I just did a lot of that. 
and, you know, slowly with time, it, it gets easier and you learn how to, you know, live with it. And I actually started training to become a doula uh, when my son was, my second son was about 18 months old and there was a ton of required reading. And um, one of the books that I had to read was on postpartum mood disorders. And um, I realized through reading that book, everything that I was experiencing was in the book and gave me, I guess, a lot of validation that, you know, I wasn't crazy (laughs) and it was normal. You know, it just happens sometimes. So with that, I was able to address it a lot more thoroughly and appropriately before we gave birth to my third daughter. And I think with that journey, I just found the tools that helped me. And then we were just really proactive, I guess you could say, after having our third daughter, just to make sure that I got the support that I needed early on so that I didn't, you know, get as bad off as I did with the second. Right. It's like, these light bulbs always go off after every baby. You look back and you see something and you're like, oh gosh, I wish I had known that. It would have been so much easier. I know that I kind of had the same thing where we kind of, you know, we had our daughter and my husband was deployed her first year of life. So I didn't have a lot of social support, which I know is a huge contributing factor. And then as soon as he got home, we were pregnant again within like two or three months. And my postpartum anxiety and depression was so much more severe after I had my first son. And then we got pregnant again. I'm very fertile uh, <laughs> with our third about when he was 10 months old. So I had three kids in just under three and a half years. And I never really recovered from the previous anxiety and depressive disorder. And so by the time I was having uh, my postpartum time after my third, and I had had an extremely traumatic birth experience with him, I was just virtually unrecognizable to myself. I just, I look back now because now I'm almost three years postpartum from that birth. But I'm like, I don't even know who that person was because I had no vibrance and no life to me. I was just kind of a shell going through life, going through the motions. But if people knew what was going on inside my head, you know, like you said, you're embarrassed. It's it's embarrassing to admit that you're not yourself. And, you know, to have to ask for help is it's kind of hard, especially when you're trying to take care of three little people, you or, you know, you don't want people to think that you're not capable of being a mom or you're a bad mom. So thank you for sharing that. I think it's really interesting what Rachel is saying about in her last pregnancy, she really had an awareness and was able to prepare. And it sounds like postpartum, it was a different experience. And there's no way to know because postpartum disorders are such a a mix of, of psychological and social and genetic factors. But I wonder if that didn't have something to do with how things turned out. So I just feel like that awareness and having the time to really prepare and think about it, um, I think it's so important. You don't always realize how bad you feel until you get healthy again mentally. I know for me, when I'm pregnant, I feel really, really good. It's the postpartum where I feel, you know, so horrible. So for me, with both of my first and my second pregnancy, once I was pregnant and I was feeling level again, I would look back and think, oh my goodness, I didn't realize how how severely depressed and how, how much anxiety I was having until I was feeling better. So sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you need a partner, someone that's aware of what you're going through or what could happen to you so that way they can kind of watch you because sometimes you don't 
you don't always see what's going on as well as someone else might like your husband or significant other. So Andrea, what are the potential risks for carrying depression or another mood disorder into the next pregnancy or postpartum? Well, like we've been talking about, if it wasn't treated the first time around, that's a big risk factor. And also medical problems that can affect mental health like thyroid or um, diabetes. Um, Having fertility treatment because of the manipulation of hormones is a risk factor. Anxiety or negative feelings about a pregnancy triggers from a previous pregnancy or delivery or um, previous losses. So kind of like Rachel mentioned with her complications and problem with a baby's health postpartum after after deliveries. So for example, if the baby's in the NICU or other stressors, for example, sleep problems or feeding problems. And then two big ones are lack of support. It's so huge. And also other life stressors. So if there are loss Um, relationship issues, moving, financial issues, all of these things are sort of, you know, there's a foundation for mental health. And if there are other stressors that are coming into play, it just sort of brings down the threshold for, um, for being healthy. When we come back, we will continue our discussion on delayed postpartum depression and having more babies. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. We are continuing our discussion with Andrea Knox. Andrea, how often do women not want to get pregnant again and stop growing their family because of concerns about their mental health? So I've looked up information on this and I didn't come up with a statistic and I'm kind of okay with that because I feel like it's just a very personal choice. But I would say that this is a, a very common feeling. I think when, when I talk to moms who have been through a disorder the first time or a, a previous time and they're talking about a next child, the, immediately the first thing they're thinking is, I don't want to do that again. How are we going to prevent this? Oh my gosh, just this sense of overwhelm. So what I can say is just that that sense and that feeling of, I don't want to do this again and maybe we should stop is is very common. That doesn't really answer your question, but I really couldn't find information. And I kind of don't want people to to have a sense of like this is the this number of people are are supposed to do this or something. So I hope that's okay. Yeah, no, I like that because like you said, it could be that could be one of many factors. You know, there's so much that goes into that decision in general. And I think it's not something that people definitely don't ask themselves. I know I asked myself that question now, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but I think you're right. I think it's such a personal choice. It would be really hard to quantify that. So what are the stressors that a spouse or partner experience while supporting the mother during her depression, which may make them reluctant to grow the family? Oh, it can be so hard for a partner to see a woman experience this. And of course, men can have postpartum disorders too. So this could go both ways. But to speak in terms of the mother, I think partners often feel helpless, overwhelmed, um, maybe confused about why this is happening when it's supposed to be the happiest time of our lives. And it can just be really challenging to witness your partner in pain, um, be worried or scared, and have to pick up all the extra duties if mom just really isn't able to to be there and is kind of in the grips of depression or anxiety or the disorder. And in addition to that, it's very normal for couples to experience a decrease in relationship satisfaction 
after a baby is born. This happens for over two-thirds of couples. So it's a time not only of adjustment, of being in this experience of a disorder, but the relationship is also on the back burner. So I think it can be really overwhelming and isolating to think about doing that again. And Rachel, I'm curious if, and you know, if you don't want to share this, that's fine. But I'm just curious if you and Trevor ever talked about, you know, what it was like for him to see you experience that. You know, we, we have talked about it and, um, it was hard. (laughs) It was really hard. I am one of those people that it's sometimes hard to tell what I'm feeling inside. So he wouldn't always realize how, how bad off I really was. But when I opened up to him after our second child, more about what I was feeling, what I was going through, I started to talk more after I was getting better (laughs) about what I had been going through. It was hard on him to hear that it had been so difficult because he didn't, he didn't realize what extreme it had gone to, you know, mentally for me. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And so what are the ways, Andrea, that a couple can prepare for mental health challenges that may intensify or emerge in a subsequent pregnancy? Well, I think Rachel was just hitting on this. Communication is is so important. What it can be, what does mom need her partner to say? What are the warning signs? What do we need to do differently? So just really creating a dialogue about what the needs are, what the experience is, what are what does the partner need to be looking for? And really assess what was the hardest and what helped last time and make a plan. I'm a huge advocate for making a postpartum plan. How can mom get more sleep, eat nutritious food, get time away and exercise, have time with her partner, make the transition smooth for the for the older child or children. So I just feel like this is a team effort to get resources lined up in advance so you're not having to try to do this when, um, when mom is overwhelmed or, or both partners are overwhelmed and, and mom could be under the influence of a disorder and not thinking clearly, but just really sort of coming together and, and saying, how are we going to handle this and how can we make this a good experience, the best experience that we can? So Andrea, how can women who have a history of postpartum depression and other mood disorders work with their family, their therapist, their medical provider to prepare for a future pregnancy? Well, there's a lot that can be done. I feel like this is the hopeful part. A therapist can help you organize your thoughts about the idea of having another child. I think it's really important to be clear on on your thoughts and feelings around that. I love how you said organize. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's kind of the job of a therapist, not necessarily to help you decide or tell you what to do, but really just to sort of lay it all out and see what what direction do you want to take and what feels like it's most authentic for you. Especially a therapist who understands perinatal issues. And then you can also look at the risk factors and see how they can be addressed. So, you know, if if lack of support was an issue the first time around, how can we adjust that this time so that we can lessen that that risk factor? And a therapist can also help with creating a postpartum plan as well as being available for support and watching out for symptoms during pregnancy and postpartum. So you can feel like you have an additional layer of support and kind of another person involved who is going to be there with you. I heard Rachel saying that it was hard to recognize and you kind of need somebody there sometimes to to tell you this is this is what I'm seeing in you. 
and it's great to have your your spouse or partner be able to be there with you and sometimes you need other people to be there with you too like your your friends or your family or a therapist a doctor or psychiatrist can consider options for medication with you in case you need it i think that if if symptoms were severe it might be a good idea just to think about that i know that there's um there can be a lot of reservations with being pregnant and um, breastfeeding but it it's just I think it's it's good to look at it just as another piece of information and another resource. And family members can provide extra support with tasks, meals, breaks, watching your older child or children, and like we were talking about, being a kind of a sign to watch for warning signs in, in you if that's something that, that you're comfortable with, and mobilize help if you need it should symptoms of a disorder resurface. So I think it's important to sort of establish ahead of time what would be really useful to do if you are seeing these warning signs in me and sort of what what can we have at the ready just in case. That was exactly what I did, Andrea. It was hard, (laughs) but reaching out to my family that I felt were safe people and comfortable with, as hard as it was probably for them to hear, they were not supportive enough in my first two, um, after my first two deliveries. And um, I know that was hard for them to hear, but it was so much harder for me to go through that idea of, of suffering again and not having that support again after a third baby. And I was very open with my OB also. And I knew if I didn't tell her that it was a possibility that I wouldn't after after I had the baby. We talked about medication, not that I would definitely have it, but I knew that if I got to that mental state, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be strong enough to think about which medicine I was comfortable with and which one I would feel the safest taking. So we talked all about my medicine options, side effects. You know, I I told her the warning signs, like these are my classic, you know, telltale signs. If I'm having a problem, you're going to see this. So I was very, very open and, you know, it was hard, but I've done great after my third baby. I've had very, very little postpartum depression and anxiety, and I attribute that completely to being supported, you know, being able to have people bring dinners or my husband, you know, getting up with the other kids and letting me sleep in every morning and just being taken care of. You know, you're not being selfish. You just had a baby. (laughs) All you need to do is be a mommy to that baby. So sometimes it can feel like you, you know, the world is revolving around you, but it's just, it's a short period of time in the span of your life. Yeah, that's called support. It's not the world revolving around you. I mean, it's just, it's just important. We live in such a funky time and space when we don't have that built in naturally. So I think you really have to call it in and that's that's not natural for, for everyone, especially the first or even the second time. So I, I think that's amazing that you did that. And Andrea, I do have a question for you. I know some women do need to treat their um, disorder with medication. So if they're planning on getting pregnant again, and perhaps the medication that's been working for them, they can't take while they're pregnant. What are some of the ways that they can work with their support team to prepare for going off that medication? Well, I think it's good to be in touch with a therapist just to sort of have somebody to monitor yourself with, just like the app we're talking about, um, kind of somebody to, to really process that, that information in real time and, and see what that's looking like. 
But yeah, also just to be connected with a, a doctor who is attuned to these issues or a psychiatrist and, and just talking it through. Thank you so much, Andrea and Rachel, for sharing your story with us. And for our Newbies Club members, our conversation will continue after the end of the show, as Andrea will explain how postpartum mood disorders may affect our perception of what kind of parent we are and whether we are capable of parenting more children. All right, it's time for an iTunes review. We know many of you listen to the show through iTunes and leaving a rating and review is a big way to help our show and to get other parents to find out about newbies. So this comment comes from, oh boy, let me see, SG1981NC. (laughs) That's the username. I don't know what to say. And the title is Second Time Mom and she gives us five stars. She says, I am a second time mom with a one month old at home. The information in this show is timely and totally relevant as you forget this stuff pretty quickly. I love all the new mommy media shows and this one is no different. Great hosts, good content, fun to listen. I love that. I love that. I'm so glad that this helps you the second time around. So yeah, definitely have your second child and they're spaced out a little bit. Absolutely. You can become a newbie again, right? And we all know that every baby is different. So it's kind of like we're all newbies every time we have a kid, right? So if you're listening and you really want to leave us a review, it would really help us out. If you're in iTunes, you can go to the ratings and review section. Just click on that. Same thing if you want to leave a review through your app. If you're listening on the podcast app, you can do the same thing. Thanks so much. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Newbies. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents, parent savers for moms and dads with toddlers, the boot group for moms who give breast milk to their babies, and twin talks for parents and multiples. Thanks for listening to Newbies, your go-to source for new moms and new babies. This has been a New Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. How would you like to have your own show on the New Mommy Media Network? We're expanding our lineup and looking for great content. If you're a business or organization interested in learning more about our co-branded podcasts, visit our website at newmommymedia.com. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.